0: I can't be laughing when we start. How long has
1: it been? About three weeks.
0: three weeks, weeks yeah. Welcome back to Calvary Life. It's been a few weeks we've taken off, but Lord willing, we are be back in the routine
1: of a, a weekly podcast called Calvary Life. I'm Paul Thompson. I'm Charles Uptain, and uh, we're uh, here for you as in the members of Calvary. That's what this podcast is really for, is to give you a glimpse of our thought patterns and things we do when we talk about Calvary as a church, uh, but it's also for anybody that might be interested in, in uh, just what pastors think and how we're doing, trying to do church here at Calvary. But um, we have a good guest with us today. We're excited about this conversation. We have Josh Robertson with us. Josh, introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, my name is Josh Robertson. Uh, for those of you that have been in kids worship, you've probably seen me also participating with Zach at some VBS stuff, but I'm an educator here um, in the Houston County school system.
0: Yeah, this is a challenging area to talk about, uh, education, and I'm sure everybody that has children, of course, has thoughts, opinions, concerns about school. We're right now at the beginning of a new school year, and, you know, I want to start with this, Josh. Um, Tell me some of the challenges for Christians. I'm I'm talking about committed Christians who are not like you, are not shy about their faith, Mm -hmm. not undercover sort of Christians, but active i mean legit uh, bold christians tell me some of the challenges you face and other christians who are educators face in public education today
2: yeah and i don't know this may or may not be kind of a, a popular opinion but here in alabama we're kind of sheltered from a lot of the problems that you know you hear about in mainstream news you know as far as Your critical race theory um, a lot of the transgender issues while we have some of those um, and we experience some of those they aren't as as widespread and we don't face as many just head-on challenges related to those things but they do exist Um, I think additionally you have to be careful sometimes about how you cover certain content for example in a science classroom uh, there may be stuff that's in a state standard that would ask you to cover beliefs and and theories that you don't necessarily believe in or feel are scientifically proven beyond a shadow of a doubt so aren't in that scientific law realm um, so I think those are a lot of the issues that we're starting to see just to, to name a few however knowing that kind of where we are um, in Dothan or I know specifically in the Houston County Schools, we're just not, a lot of the challenges that you would hear about on, say, Fox News or some of these other news sources, we're just not, we're not facing those major issues yet. Um, But
0: that's not to say that they aren't coming. Let me give you an example of something specific. So this is, um, there's an organization called the Houston County Faith and Freedom Committee. And I received some information from them and this was about um, the realm of education, and they're they're trying to be very proactive about materials and things that are in our public libraries, for instance. But this was part of their uh, newsletter or uh, part of a bit of information they produced. Says according to the Wall Street Journal, the National Education Association put out a summer reading list for students recommending books like Gender Queer with color sketches, graphically depicting sexual dialogue, and other LGBTQ plus books like Ready Player One with explicit descriptions of blow-up sex dolls, online brothels, etc. Um, also recommended even for elementary age children are books like My Princess Boy, Jacob's New Dress, which are all advocating for um, gay or transgender so help a, a parent or a church member understand to what degree does that sort of thing show up here and have impact on our students here
2: so i can tell you specifically with some of those titles that you've mentioned um we are partnered through the state department of education with alabama virtual library alabama virtual library then partners with another program that i don't think they know as much about um, that's called, it's a a book provider. Um, They don't necessarily have book titles, full titles uh, with the full book in there, but they do have reading materials for those. And last year it was kind of brought to our attention that our students were one click away from seeing titles like um, Jacob and his new dress. Dress. I think that's what it was called. There was also um, one specifically um, dealt with a, family of penguins, um, which was definitely geared towards probably a second grader. Um, And it was two same-sex penguins um, that wanted to have a child penguin or egg and they realized they never had an egg, so they sat on a stone. And one day, somebody, a zookeeper saw this. And you know, it's just little things like that that I think they're trying to infiltrate. Um, Just last year, well, two years ago, the State Department of Education the reading task force that's in Alabama who's tied to the literacy act which I, some of you may be familiar with that some of you may not the goal of that is to have all students reading on grade level by third grade they suggested two materials for grades kindergarten through three um, those two materials one of those was through a publisher called uh, CKLA the other was to a publisher called open court and the CKLA material There were things in the second grade content that would have um, pictures in the stories of, you know, same-sex couples holding hands, going to the zoo. Um, And you could tell, I mean, it was open. So these were things in second grade. What I could tell you from where where I work with Houston County is our superintendent saw that and and we got rid of all of those samples. I mean, it was no longer an option for us to use. Um, There are some systems around that did adopt that and that's what they use I think some of them have tried to eliminate those that material out of those books which is a lot of work um, but we see that um, one of the things that we have to do um, we have specific guidelines that allow our parents to kind of challenge material that's I was gonna ask you about that what yeah. sort of
0: involvement are you seeing from parents and are they for lack of a better word, are they allowed to be involved? I mean, do they have legitimate access to influence and, and involvement?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know, our system has a form that parents can fill out to challenge anything that's being read in their classroom. We also have a process for approving materials that teachers may think may be challenging. Um, you know, we have a movie approval form. Um, it, we have an approved reading list some of these are, are classics, but we know this. Classics aren't, um, you know, some of these concepts aren't missing from some classic literature uh, that, that have been read in schools for a long time. But our parents do have an opportunity to fill things out, to bring those concerns before a committee. The committee will look at those and turn their findings over to the board. And our board kind of has final say. So what I can say is our board is is very supportive of our parents and kind of, wanting to protect our students at the same times from some of these outside influences that if you notice it's like anything they're just slow they will you know second grade you have a book about two penguins you pick it up it looks really good and innocent and then as you start to see the story that plays out and this is something that you know is slow they're trying to you know it starts with a picture book and then where does it end you know and so that's I think our parents do a good job. We've had a couple of concerns and we've eliminated some of the material that we've read in some of our middle schools as, as late as last year. We um, uh, you know, basically sent home parent permission forms because there was a piece of literature that was brought to question. Um, so it's, you know, I think our parents have a, a pretty strong say so in what goes on with their students and we listen to those concerns.
0: So the best way for a parent to be involved with that is to be paying attention. I guess, be involved, be active in who you're choosing to be on the school board, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. You know, I, I wanted to talk about this kind of concept for a moment. I certainly believe 100% that our public school system is is a great mission field. And I don't think many or any of us really would argue that. It's a mission field for sure. What I want to push back on a little bit, and this is something I hear different people say, um, that our students can be the missionaries there. I I'm really concerned that too many of our parents mistakenly think that they're going to send their their kids into this into this world, this secular environment, and thinking that their kids are going to be salt and lights when the opposite happens. I think the real missionaries in the school system are folks like you. So, you know, for us as a church, I'd like the, you know, I'd like our folks to consider and think about it's great for us to see more and more Calvary people being involved in 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 the secular sphere, in education. I mean, I I applaud our teachers who are teaching in public schools, folks like you who are in administration. But uh, maybe you can speak to that a little bit, just maybe to dispel the notion, at least for elementary age. Now, maybe if you've got a well-formed high school student who knows what he believes and and is grounded in the faith and is committed to living that out publicly, even in a challenging space, that person can be a missionary. I I don't doubt that. Maybe even uh, a more mature, more advanced middle schooler. I really kind of push back with the notion that you think that that your kids are just simply going to go in elementary school and and be these world changers. Now they're the mission field there. So I guess what we should be praying for and thinking about is how do we how do we encourage more of our folks to to be involved like you are.
2: Yeah, I think it's um, you know I, I'm a product of of public public school. You know that was really the only option that I had um, growing up and. And I think prior to me making a decision to go into education, you know, there, there were at times where I would waver back and forth about wanting to be a youth pastor. You know, there were times where I would want to do something else. Um, one of the things that I realized was education was an avenue for me to still have a, a ministry, um, to be a part of athletics, and then to... Try to shape minds to hopefully pursue the same thing that I am. Um, so those were some of the things that kind of brought me into education. What I can tell you is this: even in an elementary school, you know, this isn't to scare anyone, but your kids are going to face, you know, our kids in our elementary schools are facing things that we can't control. We can't control what a student brings from home um, because we don't have twenty-four-seven access to their home. Um, we get them for majority of the day. Um, but that time that they're at home, we can't control what show they watched, and what words they're hearing on those shows, um, what they're being exposed to when parents leave their children alone on cell phones. Because um, you you all know this, and I think most people would. You're a click away, yeah, from from, from ruining a, a you know a, a child's innocence on on a cell phone. So we can't control those things. So I do agree with you. I think elementary school it's it's that. I don't think that's a reality for them. Um, I think high school you can have some kind of influence um, in, in what you do. And um, one, and this was a small thing. One of the ways when I was in high school is at the end of practice every day I led our football team in a prayer. Not the Lord, you know, not just the Lord's prayer, which everybody does and says, and most of them don't even get the words right. Um, but it, you know, I we I led our team in in a an actual prayer every day to in, in practice. Um, you know, in, in college I was able to start, a, you know, a Bible study with our football team. So I think as children get older, you have the opportunity to do that. I would agree with you younger, not so much. And as a teacher, uh, I think a lot of times people think as a teacher, I can't, I can't push, I can't push my faith on, on anyone else. What I can tell you is this, when I was in the classroom, um, now, I mean, I can't really get in trouble for this now because it was a long time ago. But when I was, I was I used to work at Carroll High School, and there would be times where I would kind of stop class, and we would just have life discussions. And in those life discussions, my faith would would come up, um, and I would have the opportunity to share with those students. Um, you know, not only that, but you also have the ability to create student groups um, and student clubs where you can have influence on those students as well Um, and then there have been times since I've been in administration where students have come to my office and they've had you know they've had some big major life-changing issues going on and if you're not paying attention you'll miss the opportunity to to put your faith into those conversations Um, there have been probably more than a few students who have left my office that got something they probably didn't expect to get um, coming in. But at at the same time, I think as adults, we have to get to the point where we realize if, you know, this is who I am, and if I don't take these opportunities, there are eternal consequences to that, not just worldly consequences. Um, You know, and so I think that's one of the things we have to have as educators, especially in a public school setting, we have to have that eternal view in mind as opposed to just the the right now um, view which I think too often we get sucked into the right now and we miss what the eternal um, either rewards or consequences could be.
0: If you're coaching up kids you know this is I guess first full week of school and uh, everything's getting back into normal routine if you're coaching them up maybe you've Starting with elementary, working your way to middle school and even to high school, what would you say to these, these students that are starting back school, Christian students, and the kind of adversity they're gonna face, whether that's you know, intellectual academic adversity, cultural worldview adversity, or just just the moral things they're gonna be exposed to? Like like you mentioned, it's not likely to come officially, it's more likely to come in those conversations in the hallway or in lunchroom or on the bus or after school that sort of thing um how do you what sort of counsel would you give to them to keep in their faith in those settings and maybe starting with those young ones who are just very i don't know very young in their faith just it's just developing and then those who are are trying to make a difference like you spoke of your own high school experience
2: i think um you know the one thing that i would i would tell anybody you know no matter what stage you are is and, and this was kind of the, you know, we've been through Hebrews at the church and, you know, part of the theme of Hebrews is, is stand firm, stand strong, you know, continue to press on. Um, so for the high school students, I would, you know, I would say when you encounter these things, press on. You know, you talked about this Sunday, you know, one of the points of the message this Sunday was this worth it. You know, it'll be worth it. Um, it may not seem like it right now. It may be tough right now, um, but no that this world will soon pass and, and, and we'll be one day in eternity worshiping our creator forever. So that would, for the high school students. For the elementary students, the challenge really would go out to the parents. Um, you know, m- push, push your elementary students to um, really know what they believe and understand why they believe that which I know sounds kind of stretching it for elementary-age students, but if they don't know why and they don't understand the why behind it, when those challenges come, it's going to be that much easier to, to fall back. Um, middle school, I think, is probably the most challenging age group, um, and just because that's where you have, you have hormones, you know, going up and down, you have bodies changing, Um, you begin that's if you know when when you fall into temptations a lot of times that's where they start Um, so for those you know I would really middle school age kids I would I would urge them to have some strong accountability whether that be with a parent Um, our middle schools have d groups our high school age students help our help run our middle school d groups have some accountability there um, where, where when you struggle with things or things come up, you have some trusted person um, that you can go to that will give you godly advice, not just good good worldly advice. Have somebody you can go to when those things come up that you can ask those questions of. You know, for me, this is, you know, my, my parents did a great job, but I got a lot of my worldly education on the back of a school bus, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, that's one of the reasons my wife said our kids will never ride a school bus now. But you know. Yeah, I can
0: remember those school bus days, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. That, was that was a different generation. Yeah. So
2: I think that, that would just be, be my, my recommendation would stand firm and, and know why you believe what you say you believe. And don't just take it as somebody else's and try to pass it as your own. Make sure you know.
0: I think one huge challenge in all this, and I want, to, I want to speak to how we can encourage and help, but really want to challenge parents in this area is, at the very least, your responsibility is to be aware. Um, I did student ministry for a number of years, and it was always surprising to me, sometimes even, even shocking to me, how little some of our parents knew of what, what was, what, one, what their students were being taught but more than just the curriculum, maybe they knew what subjects they were in, what classes they were taking, but didn't know the specifics, didn't know the content when it came along. But way beyond that, they didn't know the kind of conversations they were having and things they were being exposed to. So at the very least is, is to be aware. But more than that, I think the challenge to all of our parents, whether you're, your kids are in Christian school, private school, public school, is to not cede the ultimate education to anybody. Um, particularly the dads, I really just want to challenge those dads to lead out in their homes because don't allow, don't sub out the training of a worldview, and whether it's coming officially through the curriculum and through the teaching from uh, from the from a teacher's podium or just the culture and and the I guess all the combined um, teaching of all your peers and all the influences they have a worldview is being shaped. And it's very difficult to change that worldview once formed through middle school and high school. And so parents um, take responsibility for that. And I would say the same thing. I know, Josh, you're in the public uh, school sector. But for our students and parents and families that are in private school sector, being in a Christian school is not an adequate substitute for being in a church and for being – faithfully trained up at home. You, you can't just seed that out to somebody else. And Charles, I'm sure you saw the same in years of, of children's ministry, people just basically seeding that over. Um, my kids will learn their reading and writing, et cetera, history, whatever. They'll learn that in school and they'll learn their their Jesus stuff, and their Bible stuff. They'll learn that at church on Sundays and we can use our time for you know, whatever else.
1: Yeah, our, you know, our culture always says, it's all. It's just American culture is you give it to the experts. You know, you you send them to, if they're going to do baseball, then the coach is really responsible for all the baseball. If you want them to take piano lessons, then the piano teacher is responsible for all that. And we've done the same thing in church life that we've tried to say, well, we'll let the church handle all the, the religious education, or if we go to a Christian school, we'll let the Christian school handle all the religious education. And And me as a parent, I'm not an expert, so I don't have to do it. But I don't think we get that pass as parents. We've got to be that, that first influencer on our children. And, and I would speak to what Josh said earlier about influences of friends. I don't care if they go to public school or private school. Uh, not everybody in a Christian school is a yeah. strong believer. And the stuff they're seeing at home, the stuff they're a part of, comes to those kids the same way that it does at the public school. So there may not be school buses, but there's plenty of conversations and things happen at the private schools um, where, you know, you just have to be aware, like you said, and, and, um, and have to help, help guide your children at what's right and what's wrong um, at all ages.
2: Yeah. And I will say this, you know, before the position I'm in, I was a principal at Wicksburg High School. Um, and it's, a, you know, on campus, it's K through 12. Um, my, after my first January to May, it got split into an elementary and a high school. I can tell you there is, you know, the benefit of there is is there were, I could I count on on two hands and more the number of teachers that professed faith, but you could also tell they were living it. Um, they had two very active churches that were uh, Pilgrim Home Baptist Church, Brother Alan Singley. I mean, his family Shout out
0: was, to Alan. Hope you're yeah. listening. If not, you're missing the shout <laughs> <Yeah>. out, brother.
2: <laughs> his family was very active. Uh, his church was very active with us. Uh, and, and Bay Springs Baptist Church was very active with us. Um, and Brother Cliff Morrison there. So, I mean, th- those are opportunities that even at public school, this would be more to like people at the administrative level. You have the opportunity to allow those organizations access to your school and to your students. Um, why not? you know what what do you have to what do you have to lose even if it's just you know them coming in and and doing things and providing for your teachers you know allow them access and 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 you never know what will come from that
0: the sad truth for us here even in our local context and the schools that we want to be involved in and have opportunity to be involved in are more, you know, Dothan City schools surrounding us. But the but the sad truth is we have far more access than we take advantage of, mm-hmm. um, and that and that's just the truth. We we've, we've been invited multiple, on multiple occasions for consecutive years, to to tutor, um, to host, to to be involved, and we just don't have enough people stepping up. So the opportunities are there mm-hmm. uh, for us for sure as well. You know, I just, I just want to remind, you know, the parents are listening, you're thinking about school, whatever school you're in, is your responsibility is first. Your responsibility for the education of your children is first. And the most important part of that education, I think, ultimately, is the spiritual side. And not just teaching them to accept Jesus into their heart and believe that their sins are forgiven, but to really train them up to have a biblical worldview that can withstand the challenges. Because it's not just the challenges they're going to face in elementary school or middle school or high school. It's the absolute onslaught they're going to face when they get out into college, wherever that is. And to, to know why we believe what we believe and how that affects how we live, um, because otherwise it becomes a very disconnected, disjointed thing that just doesn't hold up. And so, you know, training them in that worldview and taking responsibility for it. Uh, Josh, speak to this real quick. You alluded to it with a little bit of time we've got left. Speak to a little bit of how the church can, and and I alluded to that some, we have opportunities to tutor and volunteer and things like that. But how can the church family who's listening, how can we how can we be supportive of not just our students, but how can we be supportive of our of our staff, our faculty, our our educators, our administrators that are in a public school setting?
2: I know this is kind of cliche, um, you know, but the number one thing is lift them up in prayer. You know, cover them, uh, cover them in prayer. You know, I, I, I can think of, you know, even sitting, if I'm sitting right here, I can view my Sunday school class and, you know, it's like praying for each and every one of those students, you know, even though I see them usually once, twice a week. But that's something that I can do every morning because generally they sit in the same place. Um you know, I think sometimes it's just taking the the opportunity to get to know what some of the the struggles are, not just trying to keep yourself in your bubble, but talk to people, find out what their struggles are. Because when you ask them that, a lot of times, you know, educators are going to tell you, they're going to spill the beans and then you're going to have a lot of things that you can take back and pray for them. Um, you know, other things are just really make making yourself available you know you've mentioned kind of some of the tutoring stuff while schools do have budgets and they do have funds set aside for those things you know the opportunity for someone to go and have life-on-life interaction with some of these students generally the students who are receiving tutoring services are the ones that aren't getting those types of interactions at home Um, and so that's an opportunity for someone to have real life on life opportunities to just really, eventually you may have the opportunity to, to share the gospel, but really just to show someone love, um, you know, just to, to show them that they are loved and that they are cared about, um, and that they don't have to accept the the status quo, you know, they don't have to just be average, that they can they can do these things, and, and people are here uh, to help support them. Uh, aside from that, you know, teacher appreciation is always a great time to help. You know, I think, I know a lot of times churches will reach out for that, but then those are great because parents take care of those times, but it's those times in between that, you know, where, a hey, a little goodie bag of candy every once in a while goes a long way, you know, a, uh, biscuit in the morning you know and really a lot of times just a smiling face you know if a school will allow someone in go Uh, even if it's just to walk around and say hello in the morning um, to walk through and let the teachers know that you are praying for them um, you know I think those kind of things go a long way because a lot of times in education is probably a lot like in ministry it's very much delayed gratification
0: Yeah, we talked about that a little bit on the mission trip. You don't get a chance to see this often, and at least not until many years out. Uh,
2: You know, and that's I think uh, like with me, some of the bit some of the best things that I've ever had are kids that I taught, you know, six seven years ago, who are adults now, who have children children my children's age, Um, and they send me messages and tell me how much they appreciated me, you know, and how much. not that I've made everything but how much like they appreciate the fact that that we pushed them you know and that that we did show them what they' were capable of so I think more than anything it's just support too. you know just be there to support them be there to listen to them ask them about ask them about work you know yeah. too oftentimes we don't want to do that because it could get messy you never know what somebody will unload on you but yeah. ask them
1: you know from a from a Calvary side you know our contact for the two church, the two schools that we try to uh, influence the most here at Gerard's is Tommy, Tommy Perry. So you know if you're out there and listening, think, well, you know, I think I could do some of that stuff. Tommy's always got opportunities in those schools to to read, to help. Um, you know, we've we've started doing a backpack program where we send food home over the weekends. and We have a class that does that. There's all kinds of opportunities that he would love to have more volunteers to take advantage of. So if you're interested and you're hearing this, Tommy Perry's the the contact guy that would love to put you to work.
0: And in the interest of fairness, you, know, you mentioned you were a product of public school. I was too. a graduated from public high school, but I did spend three years, very formative years of my life, middle school in a Christian school. And you know, so for our you know our our private school educators, Christian school educators, you're working in a mission field too. Um, you know, you're uh, we're we're not oblivious to the fact that just because a, a student's in a Christian school that he has a Christian worldview or comes from a Christian family, even I know that the reason i was in christian school is because i was uh, a little bit beyond the bounds of discipline of public school so um, i was sort of sent there like a, a penal colony but um, you know god worked it out in his sovereignty but um, you no know, we i want once you to know we respect what you're doing and your your mission field to students and of course we want to affirm our, our homeschooling parents too that that you've made that choice and that sacrifice to to invest in them i think the ultimate challenge really is the same for every parent you are responsible for your child's education and the most important education you can give them is the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the truth and the virtue that accompanies living as a follower of Christ and give them a worldview that will stand up to the, to the challenge of this age. So um, again, I hope you've heard some things that will encourage you today, maybe make you step out a little bit and do something with it. Talk to Tommy about volunteering. If you know the teachers are in our congregation already, then you don't need a program to encourage them or do something for them. Send them a note or whatever, some of the things you heard Josh speak of, but just let them know you're thinking about them praying for them. And if you want some more ideas, I'm sure Josh would be happy to share them with you or some of these other teachers would too. Calvary is blessed in that sense. And so I just want to say thank you to all of our people. And I don't know who will be listening to this, but I want to say thank you to all of our people who are in education from preschool all the way up through high school and beyond and who've chosen that as a field. And Josh, not trying to shine your shoes, but I know you didn't do that for um, the riches it would bring, um, the fame or accolades. You didn't do that because it was easy. You did that because you have a call to 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 benefit the lives of, um, improve the lives of, um, develop the lives of young people. And so that's a great calling. And so we appreciate all of you who are involved in that, and we want to partner with you the best that we can. And and helping you stay firm if you're a student, helping encourage you um, to live for Christ there, helping you as a parent to know the issues and know how to respond to challenges and things and learn how to explain your faith to your own children, learn basic apologetics and theology so you can help develop a worldview in your children. And we want to encourage you just as always, be proactive, be involved. It's um, it's it's a pretty poor thing on our part. I think if we just complain about the the condition of things or the status of things but we don't take every opportunity to be involved um, to be difference makers to get in there get in the game and uh, help make a difference so josh man thanks for hanging out with us and and sharing stuff with us you got any last parting words of wisdom
2: i don't know i don't know about that but uh, thank you guys for having me uh this, it was kind of enjoyable to get to talk about <laughs> this <laughs> i feel like you know i don't get to I don't feel I don't get to nerd. I, I'm a I'm a former science teacher, so I'm, I'm a nerd um, at heart. So I don't get to nerd out on these kind of things often. So anytime I get the opportunity to nerd out, I appreciate
1: it. Yeah. Speaking of former science, you know, uh, when I was in middle school, that was where I first had my first, I guess, uh, brick wall of worldview was mm-hmm. in a seventh grade science class when I read about evolution. Yep. And so, uh, you know, just how did you handle that kind of stuff as a science teacher?
2: So, this is kind of, I know we were kind of coming to an end, but this is where. Uh, <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> this is where. where you know. I, was a, I was a former chemistry teacher. Um, and I think the, the one unit that I think the reason that it became one of my favorite units to teach um, is it dealt with the atom. Um, and it went through all of the atomic theories, starting all the way back with Democritus, um, and, and kind of went from Democritus to Aristotle. And the interesting thing there is when Aristotle came out, he actually kind of subverted some ideas of that Democritus had that were right. Um, and so there was always an opportunity there to tell my students, you know, people, Aristotle was more popular. People took his viewpoints. It has now set chemistry back about 2,000 years. Wow. You know, uh, based on where we could have been had we taken some of Democritus' ideas and run with it. But then going from that just to the things that people discovered about the atom, and to be able to tell students about that you know it's one, and then you get into periodic table and periodic trends and you talk about guys these things people say that these things happened from lightning striking some puddle of primordial soup that had the building blocks to life I, and, and that was my opportunity to tell my students kind of my belief this didn't happen by chance yeah. you know there's no way that these atoms line up in this order in this way and they interact this way together by chance and so i think it it was a lot of times when i got to do those is when i felt like here's my shot i gotta shoot it you know Mm -hmm. and so it's like shoot my shot and you know i never got called to the carpet on it
1: well i I wish i'd have had a a science teacher that (laughs) took time to you know, try to explain that instead of just letting you read it in a book and have a test on it. And mm. it left you with all these questions. And, and I didn't have the family background to, to help me with that. You know, I was, I was pretty much on my own when it comes to my education. You know, my mom and dad worked, and they were like, get good grades. You yeah. know, that was as much as we talked about school. So um, I appreciate teachers that, that go that extra yeah. mile. And,
0: and that's a great example of kind of what I'm talking about with worldview. Is for those parents to be involved, even if a teacher's saying the opposite. Mm-hmm. Even if a teacher's espousing a very Darwinistic, you know, evolutionary, whatever, secular worldview, that's a that's an opportunity to say, okay, let's talk about what is and what we can see and what science teaches us, but let's also talk about where there's a divergence here to now what we don't know, what we can't see, which is actually not scientific, which is philosophical or even religious, and say this is a worldview issue versus this is a scientific issue. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, the influence of of Godly teachers, and I guess I was really blessed, and I don't expect any of my old peers from high school days to be listening to this, but now as I think about it, I had a succession of three outspoken Christian teachers, one in biology in the 10th grade, one in chemistry in the 11th grade, and one in physics in the 12th grade. And particularly, I can remember Mr. Clayton in the twelfth grade. Pretty much every Friday, we were going to get some sort of uh, we were going to get some sort of short sermon at the end of our class that Friday before we headed off into the weekend. You know, warning us about the sins that would easily beset us. But you know, I look back at these guys steeped in science. They love sciences, but they also were faithful churchmen. They love the Lord. They love students. And um, you know, thank God for them. Yeah. And thank God for guys like you we well, appreciate you all listening. We've got some more good stuff coming up in the weeks to come. I won't preview it just in case something changes and wacky things happen. It's all as the Lord wills, but we've got some plans coming up to address some good things and to answer some questions that you've sent our way. But if you've got more, if you've got some things you just really want to hear about, we're going to talk about those things. But some of those themes coming up in weeks to come, some some thoughts on eschatology, the end times, um, had some good conversations and feedback. What should we make of all this extraterrestrial stuff we're seeing right now, and these manifestations that we're seeing, and and space travel, and all these kind of things? Is there does the Bible speak to these things? And we're going to talk about that. And how do we how do we prepare ourselves for those sort four of things coming um, this next week? We're going to be talking about women in ministry, and women in church life, and women in service, and where do, where do women fit in God's economy for the local church? And we want to address that and, and encourage the women in our church, to do that. So those are some of the things coming. So I hope you'll help spread the word and share this, like this, um, help us get this out there, and um, I think it'll be a benefit. So Charles, thanks. Josh, thanks. Um, As always, I'm Paul Thompson, and we are for God first. We are for Dothan, the city where God has placed us, Um, but we're also for the world, and we want to see God glorified in every space. So thanks for listening today.